0: Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck.
1: Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. You know, our guest today is Alan Bell, and he has a brand new book that's coming out April 4th. It's called Poisoned? How a Crime-Busting Prosecutor Turned His Medical Mystery into a Crusade for Environmental Victims. And what's really cool about this story is that though we have covered other stories about people who have been injured by environmental pollutants, Alan's story is very unique. He didn't start off sensitive to environmental pollutants as a kid. Um, He... uh, ended up developing this as an adult oftentimes when we talk about environmental pollutants we're talking about environmental justice areas where perhaps um, you know there's a lot of uh, plants and industrial things going on it's polluting the air or the water his story is so different and so unique that I am thrilled to have him on to tell his story welcome to go green radio alan so glad to have you on the show
2: Well, welcome. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Jill.
1: Well, I could not put your book down, so I'm excited to walk through your story with our listeners so that they can um, rush right out and get your book, because it's a page-turner. Let's start at the very beginning. What is the book Poisoned about?
2: Well, Poisoned uh, is a book that alerts all of us that most disease and premature death is caused by environmental toxins found in your own home, your own school, and your own workplace. And the book explains why our government has allowed this to happen and why our medical profession has been unable to stop it. But the good news is, is that the book also reveals how you can protect yourself and your family and prevent this from happening to you.
1: Well, and and I love the way that you do that, both through the story, but also the format of the book is great because you have some appendices at the end with some great reference material. And, of course, you've got a website that's up where people can get more information, and that's alanbell.me. So I want to make sure people get a chance to check that out. Now, Alan... This is what makes your story so unique in my mind, because I've read a lot of stories and talked to a lot of people who've had environmental toxins introduced to their their lives. But your life was really different than anybody else's I've heard. Talk to us about your what your life was like prior to your toxic exposure.
2: right. Well, in many ways, my life was very similar, but you know as you said it it it, it was unique as well. Uh, prior to me becoming injured by these toxins, living the American dream, um, I was uh, an organized crime prosecutor in South Florida. I was prosecuting um, Colombian, Colombian cartel drug rings and the mob. Um, I was really living back in the, in the 1980s, the real. Miami Vice, <laughs> starring Don <laughs> Johnson, I was hanging out of helicopters, wearing 357 shoulder holsters, and going after the bad guys. Um, and suddenly, I, I became ill. I mean, I had it all before this happened. Uh, happily married, new baby girl, um, living a very athletic uh, lifestyle, and really the American dream.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is not like, you know, the, the child who's growing up under the, you know, shadow of a, of a toxic chemical plant. I mean, your life was really healthy and really successful, and, uh, and then things took a turn. How did you get sick? What happened? Well,
2: my law office moved into a brand new building. Uh, just an amazing building. It was a it was a technological marvel. It had talking elevators, and um, I was on the high floor, the thirteenth, fourteenth floor, overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. It was a very plush, chic, high end kind of a building, where you know, new carpeting, new paints. You'd walk into the into the office building, and you would just take a deep breath and and smell the newness in the air and think, oh, my gosh, this is amazing, a brand-new building. And me, like everybody else, thought that that was, that was uh, the, the place to be. You know, when you buy a new car and you smell the new car smell, you love that smell. It, 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 and, and that's what the building smelled like, like many buildings in the United States. But what happened to me was, shortly after I moved into that building, I started developing all these insidious um, symptoms that I've never experienced before. It started off as flu-like symptoms like sore throat, dizziness, uh, burning, you know, burning throat, burning uh, lungs, sinuses were congested. Didn't know what it was um, and then I started my journey. I began going from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor and pretty soon I started traveling all over the United States, going to the best and the finest medical institutions that America had to offer, Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, National Jewish, university health centers. Nobody could find out what was wrong with me until one day there was a blood test that came back that was alarming. And uh, would you like me to tell you about that Absolutely. now?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, okay. go right ahead.
2: Well, the blood test showed um, that I was poisoned. And the doctor sat me down in the room and began questioning me. I started off with very grim faces and asked me, Do I know anybody that could have poisoned me?
1: Oh, my. <laughs>
2: and I gosh. Sort of chuckled and said, yeah, uh, take a ticket and, and wait online. Um, yeah. There's all kinds of mafiosos and Colombian cartel drug uh, people that would, would have loved to gotten a hold of me. So yeah, I know people that could have poisoned me. Well, they said, well, it looks like you were poisoned. We don't know how, we don't know what it was, but the blood tests look, look that way. So wow. I, I came back. I was out of town. I think I was at Mayo Clinic when they gave me that news. And the first thing I did was is I went to one of my investigators and I said, Look, I want you, I want you to uncover every rock in my life to find out who did this. Mm-hmm. And they began tracking every place that I've ever been to gyms that I worked out in, restaurants that I frequented, court courtrooms that I went into, people that I socialized with, and they stumbled upon the most obvious place that was basically the last place they looked at, and that was my own office building. Mm -hmm. They discovered that there were several other people in the office building that I was working in that became ill as well, many of them. In fact, there was a judge's daughter that died from, an environment, from that building, from being exposed to that building. So I ended up going to an environmental health doctor who confirmed that the building that I was working in was a sick building. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had suffered from what they diagnosed me as sick building syndrome, mm-hmm. which is basically being exposed to environmental toxins in a building. That, that makes you ill. Now, one of the things that it did to me was is it caused me to become hypersensitive to almost everything in the environment: perfumes, colognes, hairsprays, automobile exhaust, newsprints, uh, deodorants. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. So I became hypersensitive to everything in the bubble. Uh, everything in the environment. And the doctors told me that I needed to go into a bubble to save my life. So they told me I needed to go into the middle of the Arizona desert Um,
1: You know what, I have to say, what I think is so important to underscore and what you just mentioned is that it wasn't as if you could walk out of the building and feel better. What happened to you in the building stayed with you. And and that's the the point that I try to make sometimes, you know, when I'm talking to other folks about sick building syndrome, especially because I work with a lot of schools with my nonprofit organization. And that is what is so critical for people to understand is that if you're exposed and you become sensitive um, to other things in the environment because of sick building syndrome, it's not like you can walk out of the building, get a breath of fresh air, and everything's well. Am I correct?
2: Uh, You're precisely correct. In fact, not only can it cause permanent injury in the person that has been exposed, but it also alters the DNA in your genes, And it's passed on from generation to generation, not only sick building syndrome, but other environmental exposures. It alters your genes. So my children or my children's children now are being passed on a set of genes that have become altered from the environmental exposures that I was, that you or I are being exposed to right now. It's almost like a virus that never dies. You know, if you get a virus, let's say even if you have AIDS, and the AIDS kills you, okay, and b- before it kills you, 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 you have, you know, kids. That virus doesn't survive generation to generation, but the insult from environmental toxins does because it alters your genes.
1: That is incredible. That is incredible. Now, I want to go back to your story. You were told that you needed to move, that you needed to live elsewhere. Tell us about this bubble uh, that you had to place yourself into to get well.
2: Well, the physicians told me that um, there was no cure for what had happened to me. Uh, basically, it injured my nervous system. The chemicals injured my nervous system, and it injured my immune system. So any small amount of chemicals would cause me to go into grand mal seizures, um, and it was not a pretty sight. So the only thing that they could do at that point was to get me out of situations that would cause that to occur so they prescribed that I go into a chemically-free bubble in the middle of the Arizona desert. Uh, they picked the desert because there was no molds. There was no pesticide uses, There was no people. There were no cars. There were no houses. There were no streetlights. There was no civilization. Um, and they picked this 800-square-foot bubble. And in 50 miles in all directions, you saw nothing. It was totally isolated, except mountains. And inside this bubble, it was made of steel, glass, and brick. There was no carpeting. There was no upholstery. There were no drapes. There was no soft anemones. It was equivalent to a cold, austere jail cell. And that's where I ended up with my wife and my young daughter By this time, I was in a wheelchair tethered to an oxygen tank.
1: Oh, Alan, this is unbelievable. And we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I want you to tell us more about what happened to your health while you went into this um, isolation. And we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this.
3: Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The
0: Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all tune in. And in case you are just joining us, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Alan Bell. He's got a brand new book coming out April 4th called poisoned how a crime-busting prosecutor turned his medical mystery into a crusade for environmental victims and right before we went to commercial break he was talking to us about how he became so ill um, from all of the exposure to toxic pollutants in his office building that he and his family had to move out in the middle of the Arizona desert 50 miles in any direction from civilization he was in a wheelchair at the time Alan pick up the story there and talk Talk to us about what happened to your health and what happened to your life once you got there.
2: Sure, Jill. So here I am in this bubble uh, in the middle of nowhere, um, tethered to this oxygen tank in a wheelchair, and I look around the room and I say, well, how can I communicate with the outside world? And I saw my telephone. So in my quest to try and regain health, I used that telephone to begin reaching out and talking to America's top scientists. And what I discovered was I had an aha moment. I discovered that my plight was just a tip of a huge iceberg of what's happening all over America and all over the world on how environmental toxins are killing us and making us sick in our own homes, schools, workplaces, and communities. So I had this huge aha moment, and um, I, I, I wanted to try and uh, figure out how I can get out of this situation. Meanwhile, uh, my wife uh, wasn't able to be able to handle this situation, and she left. And she left me and my little girl there alone in this yeah. bubble. And she was a young little girl at the time, Ashley. Mm-hmm. So I looked at this little girl, and I thought to myself, I've got to somehow fight to stay alive so she would not become an orphan. Mm-hmm. So with that motivation, I just began scouring everywhere through this phone and this telephone to try and find some answers. And what I found was is that very little is known about environmentally related disease. I learned that that was true because there's very little research and very little funding. So I decided to start this little fledgling charity from inside this bubble called the Environmental Health Foundation. And I was able to recruit top scientists from Harvard and Yale and Centers for Disease Control and Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, I recruited Al Gore at the time, who was vice president, who supported our efforts. Uh, Gene Cernan, who is the commander of Apollo 17, the last man to walk on the moon. And we began raising money from inside this bubble, and we got celebrities involved like Kenny Loggins from Loggins and Messina, Alan Thick who just passed away, uh, Matthew Perry, uh, and other celebrities. And money started coming in, and we started donating it to research. Well, there was a, a summit, a big medical summit that the charity was going to sponsor, but I couldn't leave the bubble to go to it. So mm-hmm. my daughter, Ashley, went as my representative to this summit. And imagine this little, she's, she's got red hair, imagine this little red-headed girl walking among these top prestigious scientists from all over the U.S. wearing their white lab coats. And this little girl started going up, my little girl, Ashley, unbeknownst to me at the time, began going up to these different scientists and pulling on their little, their little lab coats saying, excuse me, sir, we're putting on this big summit with all of this money. Why can't you help my daddy?
1: <laughs> oh, that's her little heart. Who could say no to that? <laughs> well,
2: well, I didn't know what was going on, and I didn't know that she, she was doing this. And as it turns out, one of these scientists gave her a lead to a new treatment that got me out of the bubble. So the irony was, and, and I was in that bubble for eight years, eight oh, years.
1: Oh, my goodness.
2: Eight years. And, um, you know, the irony of this whole situation was is I fought to stay alive so she wouldn't become an orphan. But, you know, it was her that ended up saving me.
1: Isn't that incredible? And what was the, the treatment that she serendipitously, you know, found through her innocent little request? Why can't you <laughs> help my daddy? <laughs> right.
2: Um, it was a new anesthesia medicine uh, that was called Neurontin, uh it's widespread, uh, widespreadly used now. It's called gabapentine. That's the generic name for it. And I'm still on it to this day.
1: And, and how has that changed your condition? What's your life like now, Alan?
2: Well, one of the things, uh, I need to back up just for a second. One sure. of the things that these scientists told me was, uh, you know, I, I, I talked to them, although I wasn't able to go in person by telephone. I asked them where can we make the biggest impact on this issue? They said prevention. I said, yes. well, how can we best prevent? They said public awareness. I said, how can we make the public best aware? They said, put a face on this issue. And I said, Thanks. okay, and what do you mean by that? And they pointed to me. They said, you, you need to be this face. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, no. I'm six foot two. Um, I I went down 145 pounds. I looked like an AIDS victim. I I didn't want the world to see me like that, so I declined. But I never forgot what they told me about putting a face on this issue. So when I jumped back out out of the bubble, um, I started interfacing in a different legal arena, which is the environmental arena. And I hooked up with some pretty big names in the environmental arena and started representing helping other victims that were poisoned by the environment legally. Talk to us up about
1: up. that. Uh, yeah, that's me? fascinating. Yeah, talk to us about that, because um, I, I think that's fascinating. I saw Alan Dershowitz on your on your website. And, and So tell us about who you were working with and specifically how you were fighting for these people.
2: Well, um, I I did work uh, you know with Alan Dershowitz uh, on a on a huge case in Georgia. I got to know him, he got to know me, he actually endorsed the book. But I also hooked up I don't know if you've ever your viewers have ever um seen the movie Aaron Brockovich.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> we well, love it.
2: Okay. Well Aaron Brockovich, her boss, the the lawyer in the movie, his name is Ed Massery, the real life lawyer is Ed Massery. I hooked up with him and Aaron and began representing or helping represent people that were poisoned by the environment. I also hooked up with another man. His name is Jan Schlickman. I don't know if you recall the the best-selling book called A Civil Action. Oh, sure. Okay. And it it was also a movie based on the book called A Civil Action Mm -hmm. starring John Travolta. So Travolta played Jan Schlickman, this lawyer, and uh, Jan Schlickman, and he also has endorsed my book. He actually wrote the foreword in the book, and I hooked up with him and started doing toxic tort cases with him as well. So here I am in the legal arena, in my mind, prosecuting the ultimate crime instead of one crime at a time in my former life. As a prosecutor going after Colombian cartel drug rings and the mob, now I feel like I'm going after the ultimate crime, which mm-hmm. is the crime against humanity, which humanity has committed against itself. Um, so I started going into this arena, and uh, um, and that's how I got to interface with all with all of these you know all of these other lawyers.
1: Tell me this, Alan, because this isn't you know, something that maybe our listeners would be clear about, but when you're defending the, the rights of victims and advocating for them in cases like this, who are some of the defendants? I mean, uh, 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 name some names.
2: <laughs> well, very, very good question. The defendants are the companies that manufacture the toxic chemicals, They are the landowners that own the properties where people are poisoned in. It could be a building. It could be vacant land. It could be toxins coming out of the ground. Like there was one case that I had where um, there was an oil leak at a refinery, and they had all of the employees just jump into the oil mixes to try and stop the leak. Well, they all got sick, and many of them died. So in that case, the defendant would be the refinery. Uh, if it's a sick building, the defendant would be uh, the, the owner of the building and the management company. I had one case in particular that ended up on the uh, CBS early show, Sunday morning early show on national television, where there was a group of people that were poisoned by mold in their apartment building in Bakersfield, California. Mm-hmm. And one infant actually died from that mold exposure. And I represented all of these people. 168 of them, mostly low-income, living in mm-hmm. Section 8 housing. And I sued, we sued the owner of the, of the apartment building. Actually, it wasn't a building. It was a whole complex. The owner and the property management company that managed the property. So it depends on the scenario. I mean, if, if you're using, let's say, a, a product um, that, that has a toxic chemical in it that's, that's been known to cause cancer, then you would sue the manufacturer. And then you would sue the company that put that particular chemical in the product that you're using. So it depends on how somebody is poisoned. There's lots of ways that people get poisoned. But, but back to your original question, why I ended up doing this is why I wrote the book is, is because I never forgot about what those scientists told me back when I was in the bubble when they had this big event at the Biosphere 2 – when they said, you need to put a face on this issue. Mm-hmm. Well, when I had Absolutely. recovered and gained my weight back and became stabilized, I figured, okay, now it's time I'm ready to put my face on this issue. Mm-hmm. And I think that the uniqueness of, of me writing this book is because not only was I a victim, but I, I was a survivor I became a health advocate for this issue, and also I'm able to see this as a legal avenger in the courtroom as well. I saw this. I can see this issue from all four angles.
1: Right. Um, And and I think that's also what makes it so hopeful is that you you have been able to fight your way back, but you have had... Uh, resources that, you know, oftentimes when we hear about the kind of cases that you've represented since you've regained some of your your health and ability back, is people who have no resources. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. Um, And so your story shows that it it is possible to fight through to, to the other side, but not without access to resources and i think that's what really hits me we've got to take a quick commercial break but when we come back we're going to talk more uh, about the medical profession the legal system and some of the things that need to be done in order to allow everyone to have the help and the protection that that you have discovered alan so we'll be right back after this commercial break
0: World. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com.
3: Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you
1: curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all tune in. And just in case you have just joined the program, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Alan Bell. He's got a brand new book out that I want you to check out because it is a story that could happen to any of us. It is happening to a lot of us. It's about how environmental pollutants can so negatively impact our health that it can be deadly and it can be passed on generation to generation. You can check out his website at alanbell.me and that's where you'll find information about his book that's where you'll find his blog and all of his social media platforms you gotta get out there and check this out one of the things alan that just keeps striking me both as i was reading the book and now as we're talking is that your story truly is happening and could happen to anyone, we are not just talking about, you know, people in, uh, you know, environmental justice communities where the water is polluted and the air is polluted by high industrial, you know, uh, emissions. This happened to you in a brand new state-of-the-art office building, and the ramifications were huge. I'd like for you to talk to us about some of the facts that most people don't know about toxic exposure.
2: Sure. Um... Basically, if you boil all human disease and premature death to its both two basic common denominators, it boils down to this. Number one, the genes that you're born with, and number two, the environment that you're exposed to, other than war crime and accident. So how does that convert? That means that more people get sick and die from environmental exposure than all those afflicted with AIDS. Automobile accidents, war, and crime combined. It is the silent epidemic of the 21st century. Now, how does that convert into statistics? Can I uh, share with you a few of them, John?
1: Absolutely, Alan. Go for it.
2: Well, the Centers for Disease Control, our own federal government, has stated that seven out of every 10 cases of cancer is caused by the environment. That's huge. If you're an oncologist's office and you're sitting there and there's 10 people in the waiting room, seven of those faces that you're staring at got there because of the environment that they were exposed to in their own home or their school or their workplace or their neighborhood. That's huge. Asthma has doubled in the last 20 years, according to the Centers for Disease Control. Mm -hmm. And Harvard University has stated that one out of every 20 city deaths are caused by outdoor air pollution and that the Environmental Protection Agency, our own federal government, has gone on record to state that 75 million Americans get ill each year because of the buildings that we work in. And the World Health Organization just came out with another statistic just about a month ago, that the health of more than 90 percent of our world's population is adversely affected By air pollution, and causing it a global emergency. Wow! This is huge, and it's not just cancer. It's it's Alzheimer's, it's Parkinson's, it's allergies, it's asthma, it's all even heart disease. They've now come to understand is not just related to what you eat or the type of exercise that you have. It's also directly related to the air that you breathe. For example, Mm -hmm. if you live within a half a mile from a freeway, Jill, your chances of getting a heart attack and heart disease triples.
1: Wow. I do, actually. (laughs) I do live a lot closer than half a mile from two freeways, actually.
2: That's crazy. Well,
1: Well, here's the thing.
2: This is not doom and gloom. The message is not that the sky is falling and we're all doomed. The message, my message, is not about closing the smokestacks or standing on picket lines or lobbying in Congress. My message is simply, listen, we can't depend upon our government to protect us because of the governmental regulations that are even becoming more laxed as we speak. Yes. We can't depend upon our doctors to cure us. But what we can do is, is we can reclaim our own health and take control of our own lives in your own home and your own school and your own workplace and prevent yourself from becoming ill and protecting you and your family by, using, by, by basically arming yourself with knowledge and being a very smart consumer and exposing yourself to things that are safe as opposed to things that are not safe.
1: But here's my issue with that, Alan, and I think you're right. There is a lot of this under our control. But like, for instance, even if I did everything right inside my home, my kids spend most of their waking hours in school. My, you know, I spend and my husband spends most of our waking hours in an office building over which... We seemingly, and again, maybe this is where the advocacy piece comes in, have little control. I'll give you a for instance. In my town here in Northern California, there is a an elementary school and a high school that were planned, zoned, in an area where two major freeways cross and there is constant backup. Now, this is not, you know, a, a, this is a suburban area. It's not a highly you know, high-density urban area. And yet, whenever these kids are outdoors playing sports at, at recess or what have you, that's what they're exposed to. So talk to us about what we need to be doing about those things that are not within our own homes, not within our own purchasing, in order to protect ourselves.
2: Well, um, my approach is radical because, <laughs>
1: okay. because
2: had I taken the radical approach, I would have not ended up the way I did. Mm-hmm. Had I known, you know, that this building was making me sick, had I known this, and, and the thing is, is when you arm people in knowledge, and, and now you're, not, you're knowledgeable, you understand that these things are, are harming your, your kids. My, if it was me and my family, and I knew that my kids were being exposed to this, I would move to a place, I would move to an area where it's safer, let, let me give you an example. You you, you gave you, you made an example about their school. And the first mm-hmm. thing that came to my mind was John Travolta. John mm-hmm. Travolta had a son, his name was Jet. Yes. Jet died from seizure disorder. Guess what the seizure disorder was from? It was from what? the school that he was in, the, the the carpeting of the school that made him oh, sick. Gosh. So Travolta had his unlimited resources, okay? Yeah. Had he Had he been knowledgeable, he would have yanked his kid out of school. Or, I mean, you could have gotten safe carpeting. There's all kinds of things you could do. But, you know, with respect to your kids, I would would move to a different area. I would move away from freeways. That's what I would do. And as far as your own home is concerned, mm -hmm. you could use safe paints. You could put in, say, floors. You could put in air purifiers. You could put in water purifiers. You could make the home that you're living in an oasis. And -hmm. as far as the work situation is concerned, you know, you're going to have to make a decision. If your husband is making, you know, a million dollars a year at this company and he's working in a toxic building, ultimately he's going to have to make a choice. Do I want to work for the money or do I want to retain my health? And these are hard decisions that we all need to make um, eventually.
1: Let let me ask you this, because, you know, a lot of us would like to believe that when we pay our taxes, um, we are getting something back. (laughs) We are getting some services back. And of course, we do. But one of the things that we assume, and we all know what happens when we assume, uh, is that. There are legal protections in place to protect us from things like this. What needs to happen in the legal system in order to ensure that whether it's one chemical or the combination of a hundred within a school building, that that's not allowed and the liability is too high for these companies to continue to manufacture these toxins and place them in, you know, in our, in our world?
2: Good question. Uh, here's the answer. First of all, we need to understand where we're at right now. And where we're at right now is is that since 1950, more than 85,000 chemicals have been introduced into our environment and few have been tested for its toxic effects on humans. We are basically guinea pigs. We don't know what these things are doing to us. And, the, and, the, and the, our government is broken The government is not protecting us, and here's why. In contrast to Europe and Canada, in this country, any chemical that's introduced into our marketplace is presumed innocent until proven guilty. That means you can throw anything you want into the environment, and it's okay. It doesn't need to be tested. It doesn't need to be certified that it's safe. Until... 10 years later, 15 years later, 20 years later, we find out, like the meslioma cases with asbestos, we find Mm -hmm. out what it's doing to us. So what needs to happen is, is Congress needs to basically change our laws to state that chemicals need to be proven safe before they're introduced into the marketplace. That's what they're doing in Canada. That's what they're doing in Europe. But you might ask, why are we not doing that here? I'll tell you why. Because the chemical industry is huge. It's very, very powerful. And their lobby is preventing the politicians from doing this. That's why this is going on here. And that's why we're all being exposed to this. That's why this country is more like the wild, wild west than any other country in, in, in western culture. Now, I'm the most unlikely voice to state this because I'm a conservative, you know, law and order kind of guy.
1: I'm not, <laughs> you were going to run for senate at one point, I read uh, in your book. So. Right,
2: and, and I was going to be running for senate as a republican. Yep. So I'm not the the, the the kind of face that you would think that would deliver this message. You know, uh, a, a liberal Birkenstock walking granola chewing person. I'm <laughs> I'm the most unlikely face to put on this issue, because I've seen the light myself. And mm-hmm. um, and this is like you said, Jill. This is happening everywhere. But in my book, I've listed the top ten chemicals to avoid. Where, what products they're located in, and what safe product alternatives you could use instead. I've also listed in my book the top 20 ways to protect yourself and your family from becoming another victim. That's just a start. But if you could use those as tools, you could really minimize your risk of becoming ill. Now, uh, people don't have to be as radical as me and get up and move their family to some farmland somewhere else. If you just make your home, your own home safe, where you're spending at least twelve hours of your life, you know, half of your life in your own home, you're reducing
1: your risk by fifty percent. That is and so true. You, That's a great it, point. Exactly. Yep. And,
2: and and listen, Michael Landon. Remember Michael Landon, the actor? Sure,
1: absolutely.
2: Well, well he he died of cancer. You know why? He why he was using black hair dye all the time, which was which was uh, coal-based, tar-based. Uh-huh. That's, that's how he ended up getting pancreatic cancer. I mean, oh, I could gosh. go on and on and on and on and on. I mean, I worked with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He actually endorsed the book. He's on the cover. And his yep. own uncle died of brain cancer. And there's a lot of um, word out there that a lot of the people in the family felt that he got the brain cancer from being on his cell phone with the electromagnetic frequencies that he was exposed to all the time. Wow. So the the, the 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 point I'm trying to make is is that we're all at risk. Nobody is immune from this. Nobody is immune. And it doesn't matter whether you're Christian, Jewish, Muslim. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, yellow, pink. It doesn't matter how rich you are, how poor you are. Actually, it does, because if you have more resources, maybe you could modify your lifestyle more. But from a genetic standpoint, we're all equally at risk, and we're all in the same boat.
1: Boom. That is that is well said. And I couldn't have said it better. And we're going to take a quick commercial break and come back with some hopeful messages about what people can do and why they need to pick up your book. So thanks, Alan. We'll be right back after this commercial break.
0: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26 percent, 43 percent, or 14 percent?
3: Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Pacific time, 11 a.m. Eastern time, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all tune in. Just as a reminder, our guest today is Alan Bell. He's got a brand new book out that I really feel so intensely that we need to take a look at and I would love for you all to grab a copy and have this on your shelf because it talks about something that impacts every single one of us, no matter where we live, no matter our age or background. Environmental pollutants are everywhere, and his book gives some really concrete, not just the story of his own fight um, for his his very survival, but some very concrete ways that each and every one of us can protect our own health and the health of our families. Our children are so vulnerable, and this is um, a way that we can help protect them from these environmental pollutants. You can check out his website at alanbell.me. That's A-L-A-N-B-E-L-L dot me. And that's where you can find all of his information, including information about the book. Now, Alan, your book, uh, you know, is one of, if you had a shelf of books about how environmental pollutants impact human health, there are others. But what makes your book Different.
2: well because um, I'm looking at it from a 360 degree perspective uh, not only as a victim but a survivor and a medical advocate and and also uh, you know a legal uh, an attorney going in there and representing people so I've seen this issue from all perspectives all perspectives medical legal and actually a victim and a survivor myself and so it's giving the Whole complete picture and it 's not an environmental book it 's a book about how the environment is hurting us. you know in contrast to other books that are focused on you know the, the saving the whales or the birds or the trees. this is about saving ourselves, the humans, and it 's basically telling the story uh, through my journey and through my eyes and, and helping the reader understand what I went through and seeing this unravel through my own eyes and going through this entire journey.
1: Well, it's scary to think that we may have lost you and lost this important story. And so I want to know, what is your life like today? What is your house like today?
2: Well, my house is pretty tricked out. You know, I live in Southern California, and um, it was specially built from the ground up. It's a non-toxic house. Um, it's got an ultra-energy-efficient air conditioning system. It's got filtration to, to keep out pollens, molds, and chemicals. It's got photovoltaic solar panels on the roof that's taking the sun and converting it into electricity for my home. Um, it's got all building materials that are safe, the walls, the ceilings, the floors, the doors, the furniture is all safe. All the glass is triple-pane glass, so it's got high-performance uh, insulation. Um, the heating is in-floor heat. It's not through an air conditioning system. Um, and there's no electromagnetic frequencies in the house. I have no Wi-Fi. All I use is old-fashioned Ethernet coming in through every, you know, every wall in the house. Uh, it's it's basically when you walk in the house, it feels like a safe, calming oasis, almost like Zen. So my life now is, you know, my injuries are permanent. Um, I have permanent brain injury and permanent immunological damage. So I need to be very careful with what I eat, where I go, what I'm exposed to. Um, and I have to be on a very regimented um, program to keep myself stable. But as long as I'm able to do that, um, I could function very, very well.
1: That's Amazing. And I'm so happy to hear that. You know, there are a lot of people who listen to the show and and even more people who are impacted by some of the really active listeners that we have who go out, take this information from Go Green Radio and make the world around them a better place. And they don't have as much control over their living space. They might be in public housing. They might be, um, you know, in a, in a situation where there's rent control or they're in, you know, a multifamily dwelling um, because it's the only thing affordable. And, you know, there are people all around them exposing them to chemicals. What are the most important piece of advice, pieces of advice that you could Give to people who want to protect their families from toxic chemicals, and and keep in mind, I'd love for that advice to be, you know, span the uh, the economic spectrum of of people in our in our world.
2: Yeah, that's tough. You know, when the when the people are economically uh, disadvantaged, they 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 are um, definitely under disadvantage with this. But the advice that I could give everybody is. Whatever you expose yourself or your family to, read the labels. Whatever you expose, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you touch, or whatever you breathe, try and read the labels. There are things that you can do uh, to to minimize your exposure. Um, for example, these Glade. Air fresheners. Read the label on one of those things. See the chemicals that you're spewing out into your environment. You don't have to buy those things. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't need fancy carpeting with all kinds of chemical ingredients in them. Just put down tile floor. It's a simple Mm -hmm. fix. It's actually cheaper than carpeting. You don't need to buy toxic shampoos or toxic hairsprays or toxic. Um, body lotions, read the labels. They're safe alternatives. And in my book, I have resources on where you can find many of these safe alternatives.
1: And speaking of your book and the closing moments that we have of the show, I want to make sure that our listeners get one more shot to find out where it's at. It's easy to find if you just want to go out on Amazon and you can put in the search bar Poisoned by Alan Bell and you can find it there. You can also go to his website at alanbell.me I want to thank Alan for being on the show and thank all of our listeners for tuning in. We'll be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green.